damit Slavoj Žižek in ein Eintrag schreibt über Disparitäten? Yeah, but uh, you know what I mean with disparität? I will maybe give you, because I know Wolfgang Fritzkau. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it, I remember, years ago, yeah. when DDR noch here war. Yeah. And we... You, about disparität? No, 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 about a good example of disparität. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in Detektivromanen, You, a detective comes to visit a site of murder and let's say the murderer wanted to make the appearance that it was a suicide. And then everything stimmt, but you find a tiny moment which is suspicious. Like, why is there a knife in that corner? Why this, why that? This would be disparate. That you have a holistic image, totality, But then something does not fit it. Mm. And I think a good Marxist analysis is like psychoanalyse, uh, symptom. Something that does not fit in it. And one has to be critical here. I think we find even in Marx critical moments. For example, I claim that, uh, you know, in official Marxism you have all these epochs, uh, primitive Gesellschaft, class laws, dann äh, asiatischer Despotismus, äh, antike Sklavengesellschaft, Feudalismus, Kapitalismus, Kommunismus. But if you read Marx closely, you see that asiatischer Despotismus is a pseudo-concept. First Marx classification was without it, then he saw that some systems like ancient China, India, Latin America, don't fit his category. So he created a category which appears to be just another category, but its real meaning was all that which doesn't pass into my conceptual frame. This would be Asiatische Despotis, for example, a disparate... Witzvogel already also wrote about it. Yeah, 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 but, but it was always a problem for, Mar for Marxism. And I think that This is a big problem in spirit in Geister Neuen Deutschland. Today, uh, we are in a... Sorry, nervous. Just, uh, I will get better in here. Blaue Sofa, where I want to be blue like an, that, that obelisk or what <laughs> sit there on sofa. Okay, seriously. Uh, today, we are in a totally crazy situation. On the one hand, it's absolutely clear that Kapitalismus is approaching a limit. My God, even mega corporate guys like Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Bill Gates, they all talk about it. It's clear, capitalism, the way we know it, cannot survive. Uh, on the other hand, this is the tragedy, the left does not seem to have a viable alternative. Either you do like... Do you have the alternative? No. But I do know the way, now I will be very careful, the way towards, towards an alternative. Like the Maulwurf. Bitte? Like the Maulwurf, the left have to uh, work. Like Hegel's Maulwurf. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mühlarbeit is yeah, subversive yeah, yeah, yeah. The first thing is that uh, in, instead of this obsession with the victims of this system, like uh, immigrants or whatever, uh, we should uh, 
focused, we should do the work of Bill Gates and uh, Elon Musk better than they, because the ABC of Marxism is that communism only has a chance if you don't make it into a... You still believe in communism? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Not socialism. And communism. you believe also in a revolutionary uh, radical uh, Yeah, but uh, what, what shape but how, it will take? No, radicality means simply that it's clear that this gradual social democratic appropriation mm. doesn't mm. work. Mm. And the proof is how today it's very sad. The whole political scenery is changing. Yes. We no longer have moderate left, moderate right yeah. exchange. We have the new liberal center, which is absolutely pro-capitalist, but more liberal in Sachen der Abtreibung, uh, homosexuality. And then we have anti-immigrant populism. Mm. Yeah. Which is an extremely tragic thing because the anti-immigrant populists in some countries took over where the left failed. For example, the horror of liberals in Vereinigte Staaten, Steve Bannon. Yeah, but you know that he rejected Trump's tax plan. He said this is socialism for the rich. His proposal was raise the taxes for the rich to 50%, engage in big public works. This is the main deadlock today that, paradoxically, only the new populist right dares to do some radical, some gestures like more so money for social welfare and so on, which ones were the specialty of the left. The fundamental fact today is that, again, moderate left is disappearing, like here in Germany, in France, because one has to question, is there a fundamental difference? Martin Schulz may be a sympathetic person <laughs> as a person, but is this enough? It's not enough. To, it's not enough. On the other hand, what kind of radical left? Look at the tragedy of Syriza. They began as a radical left, now they are the best executors of austerity. I think European establishment was really bright to allow them, Syriza, to remain in power. Why? Because they were the radical left, they can do austerity, and there is no other left political force to organize protest against him. People are totally demoralized politically. So we have either this, or you have countries like Maduro, Venezuela, where they simply screwed it up. So the situation is bad. But when I remain a Marxist communist, communist, not socialist, you know yes. whom I like here. You remember that horrible anti-Semitic, anti-feminist classic, who was an honest guy, he killed himself, Otto Weininger, mm. Geschlecht und Charakter. He says there, socialism is Aryan, communism is Jewish. Good argument for communism for me. Because yes, socialism is only just Gemeinschaft, take care of all, no. So I'm, say, I'm saying that it's clear the problems we are confronting today. Look, ecology, intellectual property, it's clear this will be the ruin of capitalism. They cannot deal with finance speculations, immigrants and so on. I don't think the existing system will be able in the long term to confront this problem. And maybe something important for your readers. Here, one has to do a very precise analysis. I'm not against immigrants. All I'm saying is that the way the topic of immigrants was transformed into a, let's call it, humanitarian problem, 
shall we open our hearts to them or not? It's terrifying. Instead of confronting the causes, like what happens now in Yemen, in Syria still, we, what did those in power succeed in doing? What they always like to do? Make a conflict between two of the poor. Our poor people are mad at immigrants stealing them, their jobs, and our media portray our poor people as the ones who are brought up. And that is stupid. This and is this stupid is, uh, and dangerous, yes. because those in power yeah. can thus present themselves as the only humanitarians fighting w w our racism and their fundamentalism and so on and so on. Sein bestimmt das Bewusstsein. Wissen wir als Marxisten und Materialisten. Ja, aber was Rechtspopulisten, ja. äh, ich meine, die ganz den Rechtspopulisten ja. hinterherrennen und den Rassisten, denen geht es ja gar nicht so schlecht. Die müssen nicht wie im Süden auf Müll halten, nach Essbaren suchen. Ja, das, ja, 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 ja. Also wie ja. kommt das eigentlich? Ist das ihr triadisches Modell, reales, imaginäres ja. und äh, äh, symbolisches irgendwie zu erklären? Wie ah, kommt dieses falsche Bewusstsein? Ah, ja. dieses falsche Bewusstsein? If you read closely Marx, and it should be read, uh, what I like in Neue Marx Studien is that American Marxist economists, like my good friend, his excellent David Harvey, they, they, you know, the sad thing about Frankfurter Schule is that when they speak about critique of political economy, they mostly meant fetishismus chapter. They really read only two, three chapters in Kapital 1. But now it's proven how uh, Bende 2 und 3 of Kapital about circulation, reproduction, are extremely useful to account for today's crisis. Second thing, take a category like Warren fetishismus. It's something very strange. It's, of course, fetishismus, falsches Bewusstsein. But falsches Bewusstsein, which is part of economische Base selbst. It's a kind of a misperception, which is part of social reality itself. It's something very mysterious, and this is where we are today. Ideology today is no longer some ideal, theological... Nobody Man redet immer vom postideologischen Zeitalter, yeah, das no, stimmt but, nicht. But that, this, is correct. this type of ideology, maybe it's in decay. But what I'm interested in is ideology, which is part of our gesellschaftliche design of actual interactions. That's why I'm proud of that. It's still popular. I did years ago an analysis, an American architect helped me with it. Did you notice if you visited France and Vereinigte Staaten that it's an old joke of mine, sorry. If you look at old German toilets, they are like this so that the sheet is displayed there French, it's different. The hole is in the back, shit disappears immediately. And in Russia, it's totally different. Yeah, yeah, and, and American, it floated. <laughs> and uh, why is this? And then you can see it's different ideological perception of what to do with... So even when you go to But the I'm toilet to shit, you are deep in ideology. Und ich muss natürlich korrigieren, das war in der Sowjetunion zu realsozialistischen Zeiten, wo die Toiletten noch nicht so... Uh, luxuriös waren. Ja, jetzt sieht es natürlich auch anders aus. So viel Zeit muss sein. Ja, ja, ja. Aber even there, you know, I will give you another example of how ideology functions. When there was die Wende, 
you had this cynical Western view, everything is over, all we can do is simply uh, accept West Germany. And there were those utopians who claimed maybe their Zerfall, their DDR, offers a chance of a different socialism. Of course, in some sense, they were utopian. But in some sense, they were less ideologisch than those who advocated simple joining the West. Because what those utopians clearly saw was that capitalism brings new problems. It's not the final solution. Okay, they were utopians, we can do it now. But it's important because precisely in moments like end der Ideologie, Zerfall der Kommunismus, these are true ideological. Ideology always presents itself as anti-ideology. As, okay, ideology always says we just observe facts, we don't care about ideas. But there, in how you observe facts, in all the cynicism, realism, there it's the real ideology. And sometimes a utopian stance is the only non-ideological stance, because it means simply a utopian stance, although I don't know clearly what I want, but I know that what we have is not the final answer, that it has its own problems. And that's so important today, because as my friend Alain Badiou put it nicely, uh, the ruling ideology today does not oppress directly progressive forces. For this, the state has police, ideological apparatus. It wants to kill hope. Ideology today, let me imagine an ideal ideological conformist intellectual today. I meet them all the time in England. They don't say capitalism is the best. No, they say capitalism is shit. It's crisis, what to do with precarious. They just claim But every alternative is even worse. It will bring good luck and so on. The main task of ideology is you admit all the horrors, but the message must be there is no hope. Tina, there is no alternative. And it's here that we should begin. Everybody Capitalism has, had, has a history of 300 or more years and socialism just only 100 years. It was just an experiment. Yeah, it failed, but I agree. I cannot develop this now with my friends who claim to do a, a really good analysis of why socialism failed. It may sound a bad joke, but I really believe in it. Only Marxism can do it. For example, I know some friends who were wunderkinds of digitalization in DDR. They run some uh, uh, big uh, computerization programs, and they explained to me how the tragedy of DDR was that they saw Ulbricht was even obsessed by it. How important... Kibernetic. Yeah, kibernetic. But it didn't fit their social organization. They thought that kibernetization can be done in this centralist way and so on and so on. Das war ein Thema auf Parteilehrjahren und yeah. Parteiversammlungen. Yeah, yeah. So you see, it is simply as Marxist would have put it, kibernetic were a new Produktionsmittel and the gesellschaftliche Verhältnisse der DDR, they were not able to recapture them. It's a classical Marxist explanation. It's not dissident. Dissidents play a good role, blah, blah. But the basic problem was that there was a new stage of Produktionsverhältnisse, not Verhältnisse, Mitteln, digitalization and so on, 
and communism or socialism, the way we knew it there, was not able to do it. But now that we all know how bad the DDR was and so on, it's nonetheless interesting to draw attention to some facts that I'm not a DDR nostalgic, nostalgic, but I like to watch sometimes their films like The Legende von Paul und Paula and others. And it's so interesting to see how in some minor points of persönliche Verhältnisse, they are much, for example, much better. For example, you know, in Legende von Paul und Paula, when she with her friends, she goes to a cafeteria and watches the men there, like whom I would like to fuck and so on. But it's a wonderful reversal of Hollywood where men objectify women. I love this. Women should not be this Puritan, me too. Oh, you want to object? No, women's attitude should be, I also want to objectify men. Let's play the same game. And they were doing this wonderfully. So even in such an oppressive regime as DDR, it's, and also homosexuality. Well, correct, is not yours. No, and also, uh, and also uh, homosexuality. They were always liberal towards it in DDR, and somebody to be cynical explained to me why. All their Johannes Becher, big poets, were gay. So for them to prohibit homosexuality meant you lose your intellectual elite. You know? So, so uh, I, I think that it is clear how uh, in many DDR films, It was not just dark socialist realism. You find hidden, quite authentic, uh, uh, and even desperate. For example, the guy who was not a dissident, uh, 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 Wolf, Konrad Wolf, not Marcus, his brother. You know his film, Honey, uh, uh, no, Sunny. Solo Sunny, Solo Sunny. Isn't it an excellent portrait of the everyday despair and so on? It's not anti-communism, but it's extremely critical. Such a film, I wonder if you, you in, would in be our able... Liter in our literature also, we had very good critical... Now I will, I will shock you, because you would never expect this from me. Not so much Christa Wolf, although I have a certain sympathy for her, because it was unfair, as we know. Uh, the Heiner Miller, he collaborated much more with Stasi, but with his insolence he survived the accusations. While Christa Wolf, who reported for a couple of months, and it's proven now that her reports uh, as EM were totally useless, they let her go. Her career was basically ruined. She, she lost hope for, for a Nobel Prize because of that. But you know whom I like? Also because I'm a male chauvinist, she was sexy. Brigitte Reimann. Oh my God, oh my God. I, let her, I read her Tagebücher. It's the closest you come to DDR pornography. Like she reports, I was at some central committee meeting in Berlin and there was a party secretary for young from Saxony, a nice guy, I want to fuck him and so on. It's wonderful spirit and we know that she was authentic, like her Franziska Linkerhand book. It's a big unfinished dramatic project. So, and also, what, you know what I like about DDR literature? Because uh, it was, of course, prohibited to them to deal directly, critically with contemporary society. We get a strange revitalization of 
antique old texts, like Christa Wolf. You write about modern problems, but you mask it as Medea, and, and, so, and this brought a new life to ancient Greek literature. And I like this feature there. It's, I think, very important to see if you want to do an ideological analysis of dead air, which classics were allowed. Like, unfortunately, Kafka was not allowed. Kafka, Franz Kafka. Although, my God, Brecht said Kafka is the einzige marxistische Roman. <laughs> but, uh, for example, strangely, one that we all favor, Kleist, von Kleist, was permitted. And Kleist is, if you ask me, the greatest. Much more than Goethe and Schiller, I especially have, I developed it here, hatred toward Schiller. You know Schiller's most famous song, the Glocke? This is fascism. It's sa you know how horrible this song is? It uh, portrays a nice thriving society. Then he describes French Revolution caused by what? By hygiene frauen. Crazy women are not satisfied with their proper role. And then men, so he literally portrays hysterical women laughing as hyenas as the court. And then men take over, establish proper social hierarchy, and then they are all together harmoniously built. I mean, if you ask me, the, I agree with those who claim that the spiritual origin of fascism is this aesthetization of society. The Nazis have Schiller also. Yes, yes, yes. This was their classical song. I don't think Schiller is a fascist. No, no, no. I would like to add another issue, and that was as a DDR citizen, the practice philosophy. That was for us unbelievable. I'm also an absolvent in the Humboldt University. Yes, in Yugoslavia. But I think... Is practice philosophy still there? Is she dead? Is she dead with Bordeaux and Bloch? Deserve, and, uh, they Marcuse? didn't really have an alternative. They were just parasites to the existing system, and it's typically how with the disintegration of communism, they simply disappeared. They, I, they were way too... You know what? They were what I ironically call officielle opposition. They were tolerated, but they were not really... They didn't really... This humanistischer Marxism did not offer a real alternative. Because when I was young, the conflict was between praxis philosophy, which was even in Yugoslavian, closely linked yeah. to Heideggeriana, Korsula, yeah, 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 and the Strukturalisten. Altisser, Alanderen, I was absolutely on structuralist side. I, and so I think that also Altisser's these von ideologischen Staatsapparaten was extremely useful to us because we, the lesson we got is it doesn't matter your beliefs it matters what you do in your social practice like Althusser has this wonderful idea he likes to quote Blaise Pascal if you believe in God that's your problem but you must just do as if you believe in God and so on and so on And I remember how useful this was in Yugoslavian, where in Slovenian, a small state, I was where able... Where do you come from? Slovenian. Yeah, there you come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I noticed how in the last decadent phase of socialism, 
it was a condition to become part of the nomenclatura, not to take the ruling ideology seriously. You have to have a cynical distance. If you took it seriously, you were already suspicious as half a dissident. It was a wonderful irony where a condition to be part of nomenclatura is not to take the official ideology seriously. You know? No, no, I think that more than ever today, of course, a renewed Marxism, but nonetheless, a Marxism is useful because what happens in the last 10 years is that in the 80s, 90s, we lived in this happy time of, uh, of uh, uh, feminist cultural movement. It was Kulturpolitik. Critique der politischen Ökonomie almost disappeared. All that it remained was fight for feminism. I agree with all these fights, but isn't it clear, at least after 2008, that we have to return to critique their politician economy? And this is what is, this is this maul, which is the, yeah, it's happening there. This is where I think the true renovation of uh, Marxism will come, will come from. Sie haben ein Kapitel hier, auch, wo Sie sagen, also Heide, Heidegger sollte man nicht kriminalisieren. Nicht da bin kritisieren, ich nicht, ja. Da bin ich nicht ganz bei nein, Ihnen. Warum kritisieren, nicht? ja. But uh, I think that Heidegger was undoubtedly a disgusting person. But uh, in his philosophy, he has an insight which incidentally appears in a different way also in Frankfurter Schule, dialectic der Aufklärung, which means that the horrors of modernity, uh, Holocaust and so on, are not simply remainders of an ancient barbarism. That there is a kind of a dialectic where Aufklärung's modernity itself has a terrifying potential. And Adorno and Horkheimer saw that while uh, Habermas and his Schüler deny this. For them, it's only, as, as he put it, uh, uh, modernity as an unfinished project. Yeah. They don't admit this tension in modernity. And I have another problem with Frankfurter Schule, which... Uh, you have but, many problems yeah. with Frankfurter Schule, no, 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 I, I guess. No, no, I still Adorno is an authentic yeah. genius and so on, but... And Marcuse also. Yeah, but something. How... Did you notice how they did not succeed? You don't... Okay, you have Marcuse, uh, Soviet Marxism, but it's a partial analysis. They didn't confront the problem of Stalinism, how to read that. They practically ignored it. But I think we Marxists should do it. We should not allow the right-wingers and liberals to and do this. And they, don't, for example, take somebody like Habermas. Read all of his work. Would you ever guess, by reading Habermas, that there were two Germanys, East and West? He practically doesn't mention that. And this was, this is the big problem. It is still open. We more or less know what was fascism, And it's our task, at those who are still Marxists, to give a good theory of Stalinism. We are still waiting for it. It's still a big task. And the right and the center will not do it. They just symphony in this kind of a vulgar way and so on. You know, uh, I yeah, like to... You know which film I use as an example, which I hate? Uh, 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 
uh, Leben der Anderen. Ja. They claim it's fanatically anti-communist. Ja. But at the same time, it's too naive. You remember the story. The ja. evil minister organizes the secret observation of the writer. Why? Because he wants to fuck his wife. It's typical liberal view. As if whenever a bad thing happens, there must be some private level evil. Sex, money, or whatever. But the problem of DDR was rather that even if there were not any minister who wants to fuck your wife, he, you would probably still be under observation. It, so paradoxically, fanatically anti-communist as it is, it's I not critical. I, I think that the other film mm. is much more tragic. Uh, uh, what is it? Lenin, Lenin, goodbye. Nadezhda uh, Krupskaya, Lenin wife? No, 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 no. no. Although that, no, no, goodbye Lenin, the film. You ah, so goodbye Lenin, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's also naive. Yeah, but it's more honest, nice because the thesis yeah. is that the only way to survive as an honest communist is you have to go crazy. <laughs> you have to have a stone. It's not, because people usually said goodbye Lenin is too nostalgic. No, it's in some way more critical. More, I, it's naive, I agree with you. As for Krupskaya, I was so shocked. Do you know, there was 10, 15 years ago, there was a film, The Train, or what, about Lenin's trip from, from Zurich. Zurich yeah. to you know Petrograd. who plays Lenin? To Petrograd. Yeah, you know who plays Lenin? Ben Kingsley, the one who plays Gandhi, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. Nadezhda Krupskaya is Leslie Caron, and Dominique Sanda is the mistress, and uh, it's a very Les good Armand. Inez Armand is Dominique Sanda and so on, and it's surprisingly pro-Leninist, an excellent film, and so on, you know. It's strange how, uh, I haven't seen it, is it any good, this new German film, Der Junge Marx? It's very fantastic, wonderful, a very good film. I just had to stop, my eye hurts, when Uh, when, when Engels is seducing Mary Burns. If you have a a card for me, I can send you the uh, No, no, thank you, I have it. I I downloaded it. You know, we live in illegal times. Pirate Bay all the time, you know. Eine Frage auch noch. Sie schimpfen ja nicht nur gegen Habermas, sondern kommunikative Handeln, sondern auch gegen Antonio Negri und Michael Hart. Ich habe mit Antonio Negri mal ein Interview gemacht. Das fand ich eigentlich irgendwie sehr interessant mit der Multiple. Ja, ja, aber äh, Respu- ich geht auf Respublika zurück. Die Bevölkerung. Ja, aber how do they mean it? I totally disagree with this multitude stuff and so on. Because I think that they still cling to this old leftist idea of uh, local democracy, self-organization of the people. I'm for neutralismus. I think the only way to cope with uh, with biogenetic. Uh, ecology and so on. We need to... A strong global organism. I don't believe in this... That means we need a new communist internationale, communistische internationale? That, that's the lesson of Griechenland, of Syriza fiasco. You cannot play heroic Grexit and we will do it alone. It had to be done all around Europe, even wider, or nothing will happen. Werden Sie diese neue kommunistische Internationale begründen? Rufen Sie ein nach Ljubljana zu einem Gründungskongress? Check it up. In Germany I have a good standing, but check it up in England, Vereinigten Staaten. I'm practically prohibited now by 
the right and especially by parts of the new left. For example, if you raise about Me Too or LGBT, this simple question, how much more complex the situation is. How, uh, you know, the problem of Me Too for me is that it's way too legalistic. They, for example, their, their rule now is if a woman says no, it's not enough to say no means no. Because it can still be an erzwungenes no. Ja, es, es ist natürlich an, wichtig, dass sowas, also ich bin ja eine Frau, es ist wichtig, dass das thematisiert wird und problematisiert yeah, but, but wird. Aber mein Problem ist mit solchen kampagnenmäßigen yeah. Debatten, dass da, äh, von, also das sind, ich will nicht sagen Nebenschlachtfelder äh, oder Schauplätze, yeah. aber sie lenken von vielen anderen gravierenden yeah. sozialökonomischen Problemen ab. The main problem was how some producers uh, wanted to fact uh, 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 movie stars and so on. But what about of hundreds of thousands of ordinary women who are married, terrorized a little bit by their husbands and so on and so on. I mean, and also, you know, all this topic of uh, when sex is not erzwungenes, yeah, this already privileges a certain mode of sexual exchange. This easy life where you go to a bar, you for one night stands and so on and so on. But every sociologist will tell you, real horror happens in these marriages where a husband, wife is dependent on the husband who terrorizes her a little every day and so on. And also, let me give you an ironic example I wrote about it. They say now, no. A woman must enthusiastically say, yes, 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 I want sex. But are they crazy? It doesn't work like that. Imagine, I'm sorry to be personal, imagine you are a woman, you wanted to have a sex with some man. And she doesn't get your hints, because he's politically correct. So what should you do? You should jump, yes, I want you to fuck me or what. I mean, these explicit rules doesn't work. It's much more refined. We need not new laws, but new ethics, new, what Hegel called Zitten. And this is the last important conclusion. When I was young, 68, uh, conservatives pretend to speak for moral majority. And we leftists like to speak rudely, using dirty words, fuck you, and so on. Today it's the opposite. The new right is extremely vulgar. And it's our task, wouldn't this be beautiful, of the left, to speak for the true moral majority, to advocate decency, common morality. It's a unique chance, because again, what is happening now is that the new right is getting full of blasphemies and so on. Look Trump. Trump is a wonderful model of what is wrong with our world. And I think here liberal critics are mistaken when they make all the irony, you know, John Stewart, all of them, uh, uh, of, of, of Trump. But it's not enough. No, I mean, no. the more you make fun of Trump, the better he is yes. doing. He is not ridiculous. But he, he functions already as, in his behavior as his own joke. So you yeah, cannot yeah. make fun of him. Uh, amusiert Sie das, <laughs> dass jetzt ein Handelskrieg ausgebrochen ist oder ausbricht zwischen... Uh, USA und Europa, weil schließlich diese no, because, Sache yeah. ja im Prinzip die marxistische äh, äh, na, 
Theorie bestätigt, dass bestätigt, zwischen kapitalistischen Ländern es yeah. eigentlich keine Harmonie geben kann. Ja, aber auch ein anderer Ding. Es ist sehr sad, das ist meine Analyse. Nicht nur nationalstaatliche really Egoismen, sondern auch ähm, die, this, der Industrien, der verschiedenen Kapitalsektoren. Aber was das demonstriert, ist, dass der Fukuyama-Dream ist over. Even as a dream. We are not approaching some liberal, democratic, global utopia. Capitalism, which really functions today, is authoritarian capitalism with nationalist preferences. Trump is for me one of the figures in the line of China, China, India, Modi, Putin, and so on. Capitalism, but with national values, authoritarian capitalism. So uh, I think that, as I always repeat it, it's clear that even if democracy will survive, it will survive as an irrelevant toy, you know, like uh, uh, we... Uh, To, to survive today, you must act like the Chinese do. They, and it's a wonderful irony that the best managers of today's capitalism are communists in China when they're still in power. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, once I spoke with Fukuyama, who is aware of this, and said he was never able to predict this. <laughs> communists will be the best managers of capitalism, no? And he's pretty desperate. You know what's so interesting? Fukuyama himself is no longer a Fukuyamaist. He knows that with these new problems, you cannot play just liberal democratic cards. You have to have new form of, of global solidarity, multinational organization, and so on and so on, you know? So we live in interesting times, but this is a nice joke. You know that when people say we live in interesting times, they usually mean Ed, that this is a Chinese proverb. If you hate somebody, you tell him, may you live in interesting times, because these are usually times of war and confusion. Okay, let me tell you a joke. When I was in Kina, I asked people, and they say, nobody has ever heard of this proverb, may you live in interesting times. It's strictly an European invention of what projection, but in a way... But Hegel said the same, basically. What, that... That happy times are dead times in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Trotsky <laughs> was intelligent enough. Trotsky said somewhere, and uh, Trotsky always, he was not such an idiot as I thought. On the evening of October Revolution, Lenin asked Trotsky, but what we will do? Should we organize our escape if we, if we fail? You know what Trotsky answered him? It much greater problem is, what shall we do if we win? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Trotsky was interesting here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't want, uh, but I think that interesting times at the same time offer a new chance. So we should not be just afraid of the confusion now. Maybe something new will emerge and we have to patiently work for that. So I am an optimist for the very same reason that I am a pessimist. Because pessimism, confusion means maybe there is a hope for something really new. Um unseren Lesern und Leserinnen eine Vorstellung vielleicht zu geben, was glauben Sie, werden wir den Kommunismus noch erleben oder wird das erst die zweite, dritte, vierte Generation? For example, you are always wrong here. It's easy to be over optimist. At the same time, do you know that in February, January 1917, Lenin gave a speech to some socialist 
youth members in Switzerland and he said maybe you will be happy enough to see the first socialist state. This he said a couple of months before Bolsheviks took over. So I'm, I'm here, I'm Hegelianer. You know, Hegel was here very non-dogmatic. Hegel was always afraid to make any predictions about the future. Hegel, Ein vorsichtiger Philosoph, der wollte sich nicht festlegen. Yeah, but vorsichtiger, but at the same time ready to take risks. You have to take risks. You know, it's what Jacques Lacan says about psychoanalytiker. You cannot be in your psychoanalytic practice. You cannot be covered by any rules. At a certain point, you have to make a decision what you will tell to your patient, and it's always a risky decision. It can bring him to, or her to suicide. It's the same with the revolution. Lenin saw this very clearly. It's never that now objective conditions are right, we see revolution is necessary. If you wait for the right moment, the right moment will never arrive. In Ihr neuen Buch uh, Disparitäten in der wissenschaftlichen Buchgesellschaft erschienen, Juste Mang, frisch aus der Druckerei, zur Buchmesse noch erschienen, ähm, beschäftigen sich sehr stark mit Hegel. Nun hat ja bekanntlich Marx den Hegel schon von Kopf, äh, von Kopf auf die Füße gestellt. Warum müssen Sie jetzt noch mal sich so mit Hegel auseinandersetzen? Lassen Sie ihn jetzt Purzelbäume schlagen oder Because wollen Sie wieder auf den Kopf stellen? Ich bin ein bisschen kritisch Marx und paradoxisch I think that Hegel was in a way more materialist, it sounds crazy, than Marx. Marx still had some kind of teleological trust into... Aber bei Hegel spielt doch der Weltgeist und Gott eine Rolle. Und nicht bei Marx. Yeah, but it's always retroactive. Hegel never makes speculations about the future. It's always retroactive. Now we see how it was. But we cannot draw any... Like, 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 we cannot, Hegel would have never allowed something like the Stalinist party, which claimed we know the laws of history and we can act as instruments of history. Aber er war autoritätsgläubig oder hat seine Philosophie zumindest, It's hat so, so eine Staatsgläubigkeit, Obrigkeitsgläubigkeit drin, mit zufrieden geben mit den Zuständen. A simple question. His Rechtphilosophie. Yeah. What is he describing there? Doesn't he say in the introduction, the oil der Minerva, the oil takes off only in the evening? That is to say, we can describe in Begriffe, begrifflich, a certain social order only when its time has passed. But doesn't this hold also for his Rechtsphilosophie? I think all those who think he is describing in his Rechtsphilosophie the ideal state, Are think, no, he is describing some form of life whose time is already over. And he is totally open about what will uh, happen. That is to say, where I am... Okay, I will tell you something horrible, for which many Marxists hate me. You know, I saw it in Humboldt Universität, those, the philosophers who have been doing for here and for that. Die Philosophen haben die Welt nur verschieden interpretiert. Es kommt aber darauf an, sie zu verändern. Yeah. I would say that maybe in the 20th century wir wollten der Welt nur verändern. Es kommt darauf an, heute die Welt neu zu interpretieren. Auch. Why? In a Marxist, you know what I want to say? What is happening today? What is China, China? 
is it simple a new capitalist? We simply lack what my friend, American Marxist uh, Frederick Jameson, calls cognitive mapping, like a map. We don't know where we stand, what is happening. There are so many things which are open, not only gesellschaftlich, like uh, uh, capitalism is disintegrating, but what will happen? Even Biogenetisch, biogenetisch. What does all this mean? In what way will... You know what's for me, fürchtlich, that our brains, and they're already making it, will be directly computerized. And uh, I knew a man who knew Stephen Hawking, who died now. And he told me, you know, that now in the last years, he no longer needed to move his finger. His brain was directly, yeah. and he just thought forward, and his chair moved forward. Mm. But don't forget, what goes out also goes in. Mm. So if I can influence computer in this way, that just by thinking something, it goes the other way around. Yes. So who will control this? And Bikinesen made a project. At some conference I met the boss of Chinese Academy of Sciences, uh, Cognitive Wissenschaften, I uh, Abteilung. And he gave me a programmatic statement and the first sentence horrified me. It says, the goal of the development of biogenetics in China is to regulate the biological and psychological welfare of the Chinese people. So they are already, and I'm not here blaming the Chinese, Americans are also secretly doing it and so on. Everybody knows that, forget all about these chemical, atomic weapons. The real things are now this directly, how to manipulate and directly... Big data also. Yeah, yeah, the brain directly. And who will control this if we leave this to state and just to states and uh, private companies? We are lost. And you know who knows this? Here I trust Hollywood. All big, many big Hollywood blockbusters now are about, did you see Elysium, Hunger Games? They are naive films. But they have a clear perception that if the world goes on the way it does, we are entering a new class in society, which is even worse than the old class in Gesellschaft. Because the two classes will be more and more even biologically different. Like, go to the suburb of Shanghai. I was there. A friend took me. Where you have now some 20, 30 institutes where rich Western people come to regulate before birth uh, their child. Regulate genetically and so on. It's already happening. The rich are already it's limited, but that's the clear perspective. The wealthy are already creating themselves as a new race. As a new race. It's pretty horrible what is happening. Na, was bedeutet das jetzt? Die neuen Technologien, die neuen Klassenstrukturen, bestätigen sie oder negieren sie dann die marxische Theorie und Lehre? We must in a certain way sie bestätigen. Here I'm skeptical about Habermas, who even co-wrote a book, okay, uh, with uh, Pope Benedict, not co-wrote, they put some text together, and his reaction is more conservative, in the sense of, we should put a limit to it. If you mess too much with genetic, regulating your brain is too dangerous. What I claim, we cannot avoid it, it's already being done. 
We have to con I mean, all secret services are doing it like crazy. Kinesen, Russian, they are all doing it like crazy. And we have to confront this problem. You cannot just say, no, it's prohibited. We will not go in this direction. So we absolutely have to confront it. But it must be done publicly. What I fear is if you do it secretly in this half-hidden way, you know? So yes, we live in interesting... Even films, I like them very much. Did you see the second part, Blade Runner 2930? You should. It's about the rise of what we should call post-human capitalism. And capitalism will move in this way. More and more robots. And this question of robots, I think, is a crucial one. It, you can clearly perceive the irrationality of our society. They claim, oh, but robots, robotizing will cause unemployment. Sorry, but in my view, robots is the best thing that can happen. Which means we will also... Yeah, yeah, and we will work less. In, in what ways. society do we live when robotizing, which in a rational society should enable us to work less, robotizing now will... Uh, will uh, cause us panic and so on. I mean, we live in irrational times. Sorry, I'm getting yes, a little bit confused. Yes. And now I will be evil towards myself. Okay. I must learn to get in that obelisk pose for the blouse Zoppa, you know, how I'll be there as a lady. <laughs> so. And I thank you very much for this very interesting lecture we uh -huh. had. Yeah. Ah, and I will use another dirty word, not dirty, but I'm, ich muss mich einsatzbereit machen für blaue Zoppa. Yes. Okay. Good luck. I just Good luck and many thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.